the weekly daily fantasy podcast on the IBN Sports Podcast Network with your hosts. I am Keith Fleming, and with me, as always, is my main man, Joe Matz. Joe, what's going on? Uh, not much. Just uh, seeing if the Celtics can keep this series alive. I hope not. I hate the Celtics, but <laughs> that's just personal bias. Um, so last week was our inaugural episode of this podcast, and I got to say, Joe, we did pretty well. We gave quite a few guys that uh, had big, week, big weeks. Now, don't get me wrong. We had some stinkers, too, including my running backs. Uh, like, luckily, I had some flex uh, guys for Miles <laughs> Sanders and Nick Chubb because the three running backs I got, I think they got, like, combined 15 points, but... Real quickly, going over some of these big hits, we gave you Dak Prescott. He scored 43.8 points against my Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> uh, Kyler Murray is just, I mean, it's amazing the steal he was for the people that drafted him in the leagues. He had 33.7 points. It appears that he is going to run uh, every game now. I think he's had almost 100 yards in both the first two games. I know he's had rushing touchdowns in both the first two games. He had 33.7 points. Uh, Miles Sanders, the running back, had 22.1. We both talked how much we liked him. Uh, you were smart enough to go with Calvin Ridley, where I was prepping uh, my man Julio Jones, who dropped that wide-open touchdown pass. But Ridley had 29.9 points. Interestingly, he is the number one-rated receiver uh, in football through two weeks. Looks great. Another guy that has kind of came out of nowhere, and it shouldn't surprise you because he's a Pittsburgh Steeler and he's a wide receiver, Deontay Johnson had 23.2 points. Uh, my best play I gave you last week was tight end Jonus, Jonu, Jonu, Junu Smith. He had 24.4 points. Uh, I hope he plays this week because he has been a focal point of a very good Titans offense early in the season. I told you guys that Nick Chubb was going to have a good game because uh, the Browns were going to run it. He did. He had 26.3 points. Uh, you gave a great pick in Jonathan Taylor in his first career start as he had 19 points. And then I can't believe we're saying this, but you gave the Giants. They were your bargain defense, and they finished tied for seventh among defenses. So that was a really good play because you would have got them cheap. Uh, not bad for our first week. Yeah, I think both of us just missed on our uh, three running backs a bit. Because I know I had Edwards Hilaire, who scraped by. I think he was in double digits. And then Zach Moss was my bargain guy, and he was a complete no-show. But outside of the original running back picks, because I think we both got some flex guys in there. But outside of that, it was a good week. And the big, the big thing, seriously, was Dak, Murray, Ridley, Smith, and Chubb, I think we're all in the top 20 of guys that scored points in daily fantasy. So that's good. I hope we can keep that up. Let's go right into this week. We'll start with our quarterbacks. Uh, I'm going to call them tiers this week because last week I know I made it a little confusing by saying, you know, like cheap, expensive, etc. And by tiers, we mean tier one is going to be most expensive. Tier two is kind of going to be in the middle. If we do tier three for some position, that's going to be lower. I'm going to start with Russell Bustle in Seattle. Um, I am so proud of giving in the NFL preview we did on the backdoor cover, our gambling po podcast. Russell Wilson was 12 to 1 MVP. I just felt like this was going to be the year with the receiving core they had that they were going to finally throw the ball. Because, uh, I mean, honestly, inexcusably, they haven't done that with one of the best quarterbacks in the league for years now. And they have. He has 610 yards and nine touchdowns through two games. Now, it is fair to say he has faced two very bad secondaries. Uh, or excuse me, what Atlanta's is, New England is actually pretty good. Uh, but Atlanta's terrible. He looks great. They get the Cowboys, which are just, uh, they're playing bad right now on defense. And I expect him to have a really big game. I, and I'm a little surprised he's at 7,300. You know, we talked last week how, and they're still doing this, Mahomes and Jackson are the clear one-two guys. Russell Wilson should be there with them. Kyler Murray is another guy that, in my opinion, is just below that. And they're not quite putting them at the same cost as those other two guys. So, I mean, I think Russell is almost a must-start uh, until he shows you something other. Yeah, it's interesting. We've seen that gap's closed a little bit. Jackson's still a fair amount ahead. I 
there's a number of guys I would actually have ahead of Mahomes this this week because I was looking through, and so far this season I think it's like the next six or seven guys listed have outscored him so far on DraftKings, and they're all cheaper, and they're not playing Baltimore's defense. Exactly, so, and I I think quarterbacks too are typically something where there's not quite as big of a discrepancy to where if you're you know spending an extra, say, two, three grand less on a running back or a receiver, they're not going to get as many carries. They're not going to get as many targets. And it's just a big difference. Right, because running backs, receivers, tight ends, it's so much about how many opportunities will they have. If you're the starting quarterback, you're going to have opportunities every week. Especially if your team's bad. (laughs) Exactly. So I, I, I'd never want to say like doubt Mahomes, but I don't think there's value there. The guy I'm looking at again is Kyler Murray at 6,800. He's the sixth most expensive quarterback. He's playing Detroit, who has not looked good on defense outside of the first half against Chicago. Well, you could say outside of the last decade, they not <laughs> good on defense. That's true. And so Detroit, they have two sacks through two games. Desmond Trufant is still not practicing, so he's probably going to be out. And so far, Akuda is the 107th out of 108 graded cornerback on PFF. So it's expensive, but if someone wants to double up and just go all in on Murray and Hopkins, I don't think that's a bad strategy this week. Is he a core, too, that follows like receivers? Is he going to be on Hopkins most of the game? You know, I'm I haven't watched enough Detroit and so early in his career, I'm not sure. But I mean, I don't think there's going to be any good options for Detroit. So, and I would definitely do some research. If you find out that he is or, you know, you watch Detroit's games, I think Joe is really on to something there because uh there's nothing better. I'm sure you've had it in your annual fantasy leagues that when you have that quarterback receiver combo it's you know it's like a, a bonus when you have an ADR touchdown from your quarterback or your receiver. My second guy in tier two is Gardner Minshew at sixty four hundred dollars. Gardner has really quietly got off to a great start this year. He's completing seventy five percent of his passes. He has six TDs, and what has been so impressive to me with him is how much time he buys in the pocket by kind of dancing around. He actually reminds me of what we thought Baker Mayfield was going to be <laughs> in the NFL, but has not because he's very accurate. You know, he's good at, uh, you know, averting the rush. And he's been so impressive. They get the Dolphins at home on a short week. Uh, we talk about on the gambling podcast all the time. You always, if you can, want to take that Thursday home team. It, it just seems to be a big advantage since they've done the Thursday games. And again, the Dolphins were torched by Cam Newton, Allen and Buffalo. These are guys that are not known for throwing. I mean, Newton had 400 or like I think it was like 325 yards uh, against the Dolphins. Then followed up actually throwing for more against Seattle. But I really like Minshew in that 6,400. And again, that's what you were talking about. These guys are, you know, not going to cost you a lot of money and allow you to spend, you know, elsewhere in your lineup. Yeah, I I really like that Minshew pick. Uh, Miami last year in a passing defense DVOA, dead last through two weeks this year, dead last. Byron Jones is out. If you're playing anything with Thursday stuff, Minshew's a great call. The other guy I like is Ryan Tannehill at 5,900. I mean, I don't know how he can keep, keep up this touchdown pace. He's thrown 67 passes this year and has six touchdowns, which is absurd. He did it last year, but though, too. If he you look did. At that's... Start, I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> so maybe they've just – I mean, I don't know that that rate can continue, but it seems like they figured something out there. 5,900, he's not going to cost you a lot. He's costing you the same amount as Justin Herbert. 100 more than Carson Wentz, who's been rough. And then that Minnesota defense has not been impressive. A.J. Brown might be back. If you're throwing in A.J. Brown with what Corey Davis and Johnny Smith have been doing, that I really like that matchup. I did too. There's one other guy I want to mention. He I, I put him in Tier 3, even though he's not really much cheaper than my Tier 2 guy. But how about rookie Joe Burrow? Uh, 
you know, he didn't look for a great in his first start. But, I mean, the Chargers are a, a good defense. We saw what they did against Mahomes. I mean, they, yeah. they slowed him up as much as you can. But then this last week, on the road, short week, he threw it 61 times and did not throw an interception. He had three touchdowns. And now he's facing an Eagles team that made Haskins and golf look good in the first two weeks. Um, I think that if you're, again, trying to look for a really cheap play, because say you feel really good about a more expensive receiver, running back, tight end, flex, whatever, I think Burrow's going to have another good game. Um, and I, I hope they start using him with his legs a little bit more, because as a, a, a Georgia fan, I was amazed <laughs> watching him at LSU run. He can really move uh, for a quarterback. He's one of those kind of sneaky fast, actually a little bit like your guy who shocks me every time he goes to run. And it seems like he can pick up seven, eight, ten yards whenever yeah. he wants to when they drop back in you know, his own coverage with their, with their back turned to him. Uh, but I do really like Burrow this week as well. Yeah, I mean, he and A.J. Green have not really connected. They've He's thrown a bunch to him and it hasn't happened, so... If that duo finally can figure it out, then you're going to see a much better Joe Burrow, at least especially fantasy wise. So, running backs. I'm starting with the guy that you gave us last week, Jonathan Taylor. He's officially the main ball carrier in Indy. He had over 100 yards and a touchdown in his first game as the workhorse. This week he gets a Jets defense that I don't even know. Awful is the correct word. <laughs> Moser, San Francisco's running back, he went for 80 yards and a touchdown on the first play from scrimmage last week. They've allowed the most red zone possessions of any team in the league. That means Taylor should have running room and opportunities to succeed. Uh, I just, I love him this week. I think the Colts are actually a good football team. And I think they realized last week that Rivers needs to not throw it a lot. If you notice, they, they ran a little bit more than they did week one. And I definitely think in this matchup, because the Jets are just pitiful, whether it be they just start the game running a lot or they get up early and then run a lot late, uh, I really like Jonathan Taylor. I, I almost can just guarantee you he's going to get a touchdown this week. Yeah, as a uh, weekly owner of Taylor, I very much hope you are correct. And, I mean, yeah, you assume they're going to be winning that game, so the carries will be there. Um, this is not, not the boldest pick, but uh, Alvin Kamara, I don't know, 7,900 is a lot, but if you're going to splurge on someone in that highest tier in almost any position, obviously I do like Hopkins, as I mentioned before, but I mean, we all saw what Drew Brees looked like on Monday. It wasn't great. So what's that going to mean? You're going to run the ball more, especially against Green Bay, which we all remember what happened with San Francisco. Green Bay's <laughs> run defense is not good. So you've got a quarterback you don't want to throw, who doesn't want to throw downfield. You've got a weak team on the run. And then Kamara also benefits from Breeze not wanting to throw downfield because he's going to get those receptions, especially if Michael Thomas is out. So I would be shocked if Kamara is not seeing like 25-plus touches this week. He so cost I'm me two up. games in fantasy leagues last week that I had a 20-point lead in, standard leagues. <laughs> and uh, But it, what was nice for people that have him on their fantasy you know, teams and for like what you're saying this week, he looked to me last week for the first time, you know, really, because the, the, the second half of the season, he just didn't look like the same player where, you know, he was the most electric guy on the field. And you just need to remember what that guy did early last year and then two years ago. I mean, he was unstoppable, both catching passes and running the ball. Yeah, he definitely – yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. There was something off about really the whole Saints team kind of down the stretch last year. And Breeze does not look like he's rebounded from that, but Kamara definitely does. Breeze is washed. And I mean, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't take any done. pleasure in it, but he, he just, it, it's too big of a sample size now over like his last 20 games. My second guy is another guy that I picked last week, and I'm, I'm going right back to that. Well, Miles Sanders, we talked about eventually they're going to up his salary. They really didn't this week. It's 6,400. He had 130 yards of total offense and a touchdown in his debut. And that was against a pretty good run defense. This week he gets a bad run defense. And since he... They just gave up 180 yards and three touchdowns to Chubb. 
and uh, Kareem Hunt with both are uh, I, I just I can't see Philadelphia losing again this week. Like they have <laughs> to win this game or their season is over. And I think they realize that this is their best chance to do that. Cause as you mentioned, Wentz has been, I mean, like quite frankly, awful. So I actually think they're going to go to Miles Sanders even more in this game than they did the week before. I also like to see he caught a few passes. I expect them to continue to throw more to him and again, he had 95 yards on the ground as well. I, I, I love Sanders this week. Yeah, I'm with you all the way on that. He's almost like Kamara Light, too, mm-hmm. especially because they don't have receivers, too. So it's just with tight ends, running back, just constantly throwing little short passes. What happens when you trade back when you could get, you know, what was there, like two or three really good receivers available when they did that in this draft? Well, they eventually got Rager, but now he's going on the IR. So <laughs> just no luck for the Eagles. Um, I, I'm a little wary of going all in on a quarterback and running back for the same team because you wonder how much, how many points are there to go around. But a Kenyon Drake at six thousand against the Lions, who through two games, and granted, Aaron Jones is obviously awesome, so that sways this a little bit. But six point nine yards per carry for running backs this year against the Detroit Lions defense. So Why would you throw it. <laughs> So they, they've got a guy who's got a stranglehold on that. You know, Chase Edmonds is going to get a few carries here and there, but you've got a clear number one back against a team that's given up almost seven yards a carry. That's automatic for me. And that makes me feel even better about Kyler Murray because, I mean, again, if they're giving up that many yards and then they got to worry about a quarterback that can run, that's going to be a bad matchup. So my third is a little bit of a flyer, but I just – think this is going to be a home run for what it is. Jarek McKinnon is at $4,900 this week. He has six carries on this season for 101 yards and a touchdown. Coleman and Mozart are both expected to miss this game against the Giants. He will be the featured back. Jimmy G is probably going to miss the game as well. Shanahan is notorious for getting the most out of his running backs. I know a lot of people forget McKinnon was a big signing for them last year, and then he blew out his knee, I believe, in the preseason or either like the first regular season game. It was very disappointing. They were saying, you know, what are the Niners going to do? And then they just, you know, did what Kyle Shanahan does. They ran for a gazillion yards. (laughs) Again, at $4,900, I think he could arguably be the best value play of any guy in Daily Fantasy this week because for $4,900 – you could easily see him having 100, 150 yards and a few touchdowns because the Giants have, like the defense has been okay, but they've not been traditionally great against the run. Uh, and I just, I, I think the Niners are going to pound the ball, especially if Jimmy G is out. Yeah, I've seen some people, you know, try to pour some cold water on that, saying, you know, Jeff Wilson's going to get carries too, but who cares? Right. <laughs> <laughs> They're both going to get double-digit carries probably. And in that offense, if you've got speed, and McKinnon does, you're decent chance you go 60 on yeah. any given play. All the misdirections and stuff. And we, yeah, we saw it last week. Like They had multiple huge runs from different running backs. So I like that one. The value play I'm feeling at 5,000 is Joshua Kelly. I think, you know, last we've seen last year that the Chargers are totally willing to just have two guys, give them both touches, and it's the same this year. Kelly had 23 carries last week. So you're getting anybody who's getting 20 carries. That's a guy you want to be interested in, especially at 5,000. That's a huge value. And Carolina's run defense, also very bad. They're giving up five yards of carry, which bad, but at least not horrific <laughs> like the Lions. But so Kelly, key thing for him is he seems like he's the goal line back for them. They're using Eckler for passing downs and he'll get a carries too. But down low, they've been using Kelly. Carolina's defense this year, their uh, power success rate for their opposing teams, that's third and fourth down, one or two yards to go, or goal line within the two-yard line. 100% conversion rate. <laughs> they haven't stopped anybody yet. That's not good, right? So $5,000 for a guy who had 23 carries last week and is getting the goal line carries against a bad defense. 
without McCaffrey. So they're probably going to be down even more than normal. And that just leads to more running. So I I love that. Moving on to the receivers, I'm going tier one actually a little bit lower than I do most weeks. I'm not crazy about any of the guys. I think the top seven or eight, uh, especially with their cost, with their matchups. But DK, uh, DK Metcalf, 6,500. He's playing like a number one receiver through two weeks in this season. In both games, he's had 90 yards and a touchdown. More impressively, last week he did it lined up against Gilmore of the Pats, one of the better corners in the league. And now he faces a Cowboy defense that has really struggled down the field. Now, there's a little bit of concern because the Cowboys rookie corner, and I forget his name, he was able to hold Julio in check, but it needs to be reminded that Julio dropped a wide-open 50-yard touchdown pass, that if he grabs that, Julio would have had 15, 16 points. And again, Metcalf, and I want to ask you this, this is probably going to be a hot take, but Metcalf kind of reminds me of Calvin Johnson. He's just a little bit like shorter, but every bit is strong. And like Calvin, I don't know if you notice, he seems to only run a couple of routes, and he's just so big, fast, and physical. Not only is he able to do production, but it makes the defense constantly stress about him running these, you know, downfield routes where you almost can't leave him one-on-one or it could lead to a touchdown. Yeah, I I think Calvin was probably a little bit more fluid in his route running, but I mean, yeah, that's that size, that speed, you just don't see it often. And the body control too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. that's one of the, the big differences between those big fast guys who make it and the ones who don't. So I, yeah, I love that pick. I think, yeah. And anybody in that Seattle Dallas game, just <laughs> yeah, take Points your pick, the Lord. It's going to be like the Falcons Cowboys game last week. You know, we talked right. about, it. it's like, I'd take anybody. And if you look at it, almost everybody with the exception of Julio and Todd Gurley, who I wouldn't have told you to pick had a big week. <laughs> Yeah, both those teams had shootouts last week. I don't think that changes this week. I I agree with you on these these receivers. Like I said, I do like Hopkins, but you're talking about 7,900 there, so that's you're going all in. Otherwise, you got a bunch of guys who are beat up. But, you know, obviously, I, I love the Atlanta receivers, but Chicago's a tough matchup, yeah. right? Especially plus, you assume you're probably winning, so maybe you run the ball more. <laughs> so I'm going. I'm actually going to the other side of that game because I do think Chicago will be losing. Oh, they're they're going to have some. Trust me, Chicago receivers are going to put up some points. You've seen our secondary now for two weeks. Exactly. So I I love Allen Robinson at 6,200. I mean, I th- it's hard to ever know exactly how good Allen Robinson is because it's the quarterbacks <laughs> he's worked with. But he looks like he's like the 20th most expensive wide receiver. He's going against the Atlanta secondary. I mean, it's what a lot of targets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. His numbers weren't great last week against the Giants, which surprised me. <laughs> <laughs> but he's had nine targets in both games. Atlanta is giving up 372 passing yards a game <sighs> and five total touchdowns passing. So I, I love Allen Robinson at 6,200. And it should be more because, as you saw in the Dallas game, it was kind of fluky that there were several touchdowns from, like, the one, two-yard line where they threw it all the way down there and then ran it in. So, I mean, five, honestly, is probably the lowest number it could be. Uh, just uh, He's not on my list. I don't think he's on yours either. But, again, I want to remind people, Miller, their number two option, is another guy that could potentially have a very big game against uh, the Falcons secondary because it, it's just really bad. Uh, my tier two guy, this rookie CD Lamb, I'm kind of jealous that the Cowboys traded up to get him because oh, when they did it, it, they didn't even trade up. He just fell. Oh, that's right. You're right. He didn't trade up. He <laughs> fell. was so infuriating. Oh, bastards. Because, uh, I mean, they didn't really need him. You know, you got Gallup, you got Cooper, and he just – brings a whole nother level. And you could argue that right now he looks like their best and most dangerous receiver on the field. He's technically the third option, but he has 15 targets in two games. That's not a third option. He has 11 catches for 165 yards, 
And again, he gets the Seattle secondary that Cam Newton just almost threw for 400 yards on with me and Joe Matz as the best receivers in that Pats offense. So I will guarantee you, I can't guarantee it's C.D. Lamb, but Dak is going to throw for a good bit of yards in this game. Gallup seems to kind of be the odd man out right now where Cooper and Lamb are the ones getting a lot of targets. I just I know one of the Cowboys guys is going to go off, and CeeDee Lamb, there's going to be a game, if it's not this week, in the very near future where he's going to have a ridiculous stat line of something like six catches, 150, 160 yards, and two touchdowns because he is just so explosive, and it looks like they're opening up the playbook and you know more running him almost as a first option even out of the slot a little bit more each game. So I expect C to be a good play this week, especially at $5,400. Yeah, like you said, it's really just the question of which guy goes off. That's it. You just hope you guess right. <laughs> and when it comes to Lamb versus Gallup, I kind of feel like bet on the talent. I think Lamb's mm-hmm. better receiver. And then he's a lot cheaper than Cooper. So I think that makes a ton of sense. Um, in that exact same price range, I'm just rolling with what works. It's Deontay Johnson, 5,400. I think he's the number one receiver in the Pittsburgh offense. I think, you know, he's seen significantly more targets. Let's see. Yeah, nine more targets over two weeks than Juju. He's definitely the most talented. Yeah, and Juju really seems like he's slot dependent. I don't really Mm -hmm. trust him doing work on the outside. So Deontay, to me, is the number one. And I... I got to feel like Houston's offense, has to, maybe it won't this week because it's Pittsburgh's D, but at some point they have to put up enough points where like Pittsburgh will have to throw a little to make sure this game stays out of reach. And I, I'm just going to ride Deontay till he hits at least 6,000, I, I feel like, because I think he's a top 20, at least 25 receiver in the NFL. And at this price range, that's too much value for me to pass up. And again, I know we talked about it last week, but it's sickening how good Pittsburgh is at getting these receivers right. because they just, I mean, it's like they, they grow them in a garden or something. I, I don't understand it. <laughs> uh, my tier three guy, and I don't care uh, if Brown misses this week or not. I like Adam Humphreys at 3,900. And the reason I say that is he's a bargain. He's got 13 targets this season for 11 receptions for 95 yards and a touchdown. I know you're going, well, that's not like eye-gouging numbers. But again, you got to remember it's 3,900. So he's somebody that's probably going to get you double-digit points, almost guaranteed. He'll end up having four or five catches, 40, 50 yards. You can pretty much mark that in. Brown doesn't play. Obviously, he's going to be a more focal point. If Smith doesn't play, he's really going to be a focal point in the offense. And they're facing that Vikings defense. They've given up over 650 yards and five touchdowns in two games. That's not good, in case you were wondering. (laughs) And Tannehill has already thrown six touchdowns this season. Hopefully, he'll have more. He's definitely going to have opportunities this week. And I think Humphreys could be the guy to get it. And just, again, not everybody needs to be a home run in your lineup, but you need them to get basically as many points as they can for their value. And I'm looking at Humphreys as a guy for 3,900 that if he gets me like 10 to 15 points, it allows me to spend more, you know, maybe I want to splurge on a defense because not a great defensive matchup this week. Or maybe I want to go with two stud receivers or, you know, throw in a little bit more expensive flex. And by spending that low amount on a receiver that you know is probably not going to get you like two or three points, which is what just kills daily lineups. Humphreys is a good safe bet to get you some points and you're not paying that much for him. Yeah. The, the only thing I would worry about with Humphreys is I don't know what AJ Brown coming back will do, but I also don't know if he's going to be coming back this week or next week. So, but he did play week one, right? And he had, I think he still had six targets he, in that one. I think Brown did play week one. And yeah, like you said, Humphreys is operating out the slot. So he's not totally like erased by him coming back. So, I mean, and at that price, I mean, shoot, <laughs> you're, hard, you're hardly spending anything. So, yeah, my third tier guy is an extra thousand dollars. So I'm not not throwing as big of a dart here, but I really like Darius Slayton at forty nine hundred. I mean, 
I understand as a Giants fan, the Giants have scored the fewest points in the league through two weeks. So there's some risk, you know, that less of a chance of a touchdown. They played but, some pretty good defenses, though. I mean, that's true. And he did, he broke one against Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh is as good as it gets right now. So, I mean, San Francisco, the great thing as a Giants fan is this is not the elite defense that mm-hmm. we saw last year. They're it's the walking dead. <laughs> exactly. They're, this is probably the most beat up defense in the NFL right now. And the other thing is the Giants have passed on 75% of their plays this season. That's going to go up, too, I think, with the loss of Barkley. Right. So Barkley's gone. The run game was ineffective with with Barkley. You've got uh, Deion Lewis, the immortal Deion Lewis. That's the guy, right? Deion Lewis and Devonta Freeman recently Is Devonta? Oh, my God. Yeah, we we brought him in. So who knows what's going to happen with that? I'm not if the run game gets going even against this beat up San Francisco team, I don't think it's this week. So I I like Slayton a lot at 4900 in a team that's going to be passing the ball 40 times and Sterling Shepard's out too. So that's just all the more opportunity for Slayton. And he had a huge first uh game, right? And he had like over 100 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I, I I'm not 100% on if it was 100 yards, but it was about there and he definitely had a deep touchdown against Pittsburgh, so that's the other thing. He's the deep threat in the Giants' offense. So if there's a big play, it's going to be Slayton. And even with the Niners banged up, I probably think the Niners are going to win that game. Giants down again, throwing that football, always a good thing. And just as a Falcons fan, I hope Devontae Freeman does well. I hate to lose him, but I'm going to tell you, he did not look great the last season and a half with us. Oh, I think no. he, t- he had too many concussions. Seriously, it looked like he started kind of running scared. He used to look for contact and did not uh, last year at all. The tight end this week is actually a position that I think there's a ton of guys. And you don't even have to go with the Kelseys or the expensive one. I'm going to start with Tyler H- uh, Higby. He's coming off a game where he had three touchdowns. We know how great he was down the stretch last year. So it's been proven he is going to still be a focal point in a Rams offense that honestly, they're not throwing the ball down the field, which is even better for them because they're running a lot and then they're play-actioning to their tight ends. And then they face a Bills defense that in two games they have given up 15 catches and over 200 yards and a touchdown to tight ends. I mean, Higby to me is almost a must-start. I've already made two lineups in Daily Fantasy. He's in both of them. One of them I used to miss my flex. Uh, I would be shocked if he doesn't get it going. I mean, Buffalo really has struggled against tight ends. They look kind of like what Arizona did at points last year where it was just like whoever they faced, you could pencil them in for at least 50 yards and a touchdown. Uh, And the Rams are quietly, I think, one of the best teams in the league, we will find out this week because if they go into Buffalo and win, we will know they are legit. But I really like Higby this week. He's my tier one tight end. Yeah, we're going to learn a lot about both of those teams this week. And, yeah, I think that makes sense. This is the strength of the Buffalo defense is their corners. So that's just all the more reason that you'd be targeting Higby. Um, so I, I'm going a little risky here because I like Waller at 5,700. The risk is, through two games, New England has given up four receptions for 39 yards against tight ends. Which yeah, I believe Greg is... Olson was one of them. <laughs> exactly. So I... last week doesn't really count. Seattle doesn't have tight ends they throw to. They also didn't need to throw to their tight ends, <laughs> if you saw. And Miami, you know, Gusecki showed he can play this last week, but they were a mess in that first game. And here's the thing with Waller. He's second in the league in receptions and targets this year. Only DeAndre Hopkins has more of either. He has more than double the receptions or targets of anyone else on the Raiders. You can actually add up second and third. They don't equal up to what Waller's done. So he is by far. This is what they did last year, too. This is not like just a two-game thing. Last year, it was the same deal. He was the number one in receptions and targets. So... Again, the second leading guy in receptions and targets at any position is the fifth most expensive tight end. So I'm willing to risk the New England defense on that. And and they've proven they're not the New England defense of all. They've had all oh, the no, guys not that last sitting out or injuries. And, I mean, in both games, if you remember, Miami moved the ball 
pretty well against them as well. I know they didn't score a lot of points, and then obviously Seattle just torched them. Uh, my tier two guy, I'm going with Noah Fant, 5,400. He's had at least four catches, 50 yards, and a touchdown in each of his first two games. I know he's facing a good defense in the Bucks, but you need to remember they gave up five catches for 80 yards against Jared Cook, the only good tight end they faced in the two uh, games this season. Also, Jeff Driscoll will be filling in, and I know that most people would look at that as a negative. I actually think that's a positive for Fant. We know that generally young backup quarterbacks are going to look to their tight ends and their running backs, so security blankets because – they just they don't have the progression. They get happy feet. And that was proven last week. Fant had most of his yards and his touchdown after Driscoll had came in and replaced Locke. And, I mean, he's just honestly right now their best receiver because they're also a team that their receiving core is just decimated. I think he's going to get a ton of targets. And, you know, I'm always going to take the most talented guy on the field, and we've discussed it. If the guy's getting targets, just like you're talking about Waller, that's all you can ask for is opportunities for a guy to score because if it's somebody you know is going to get three, four passes a game, they better hit home runs. If somebody's getting eight to ten, you're going to have a great chance to luck up, either get a touchdown, a big play. I like Noah Fan at $5,400. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I think that's a good pick, too. And along those same lines, decimated receiving core, <laughs> security blankets. Take your pick, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. Either one, 5,100, 4,900. There's not a big difference. If you need to save the money, go Goddard. Otherwise, I would lean Ertz. But either way, they're the one and two options on this Eagles team. Well, Deshaun Jackson's actually been okay this year. But I think you know they're going to be heavily involved no matter what. I think Wentz has to rebound. I don't think he's nearly this bad of a quarterback. And Cincinnati is a good opportunity to make that rebound. And to your point earlier about Burrow, I think Cincinnati is going to have some success on offense. I don't think this is a game where the Eagles get up big and just run the ball. I think this is going to be pretty close. I hope so. I really am rooting for Burrow. I don't know. There's just something about him that I just, I love his swagger. I love what he came out and said last week. I hope that isn't, turn against him though because it's like dude i love the competitiveness but you're on the bungles like it's gonna be a long year bro yeah. like, you have to get used to taking some l's in the interim but you gotta love his spirit uh my third guy and this is sort of it's a little risky if you want to go with him but dalton schultz dallas's tight end you know in his first start for blake jarwin who he's done for the year unfortunately with torn acl and again Granted, it was against my Falcons, but he had nine catches for 88 yards and a touchdown. And again, he faces a Seattle secondary that has struggled in pass coverage this year. I don't know if Schultz is going to get that many targets, but if you look at it in week one, Dallas's tight ends had eight targets combined, 10 last week. That's 18 in two games. So it appears that Dak, he likes to throw to the tight ends, even with those three receivers and Zeke. They definitely have enough offense to, to spread it around. And if you're looking for a guy that's, you know, he's a low price. Now, he's high risk, high reward. But for the cost, it could end up being a big benefit if he goes off because you have, again, money to spend on the rest of your lineup. Yeah, Dallas is, oddly enough, you guys played each other last week. I think when you look at, like, how many mouths can be fed in the offense, Dallas and Atlanta are probably the most similar in that I think <laughs> you have three receivers that could go off any week. I think the tight end's always a play. The big difference is obviously there's Zeke and Gurley are not on the same level. Exactly. At point, yeah. but, but that and their defenses are both terrible, so they're going to have plenty of opportunities to be trying to score to keep to stay in games. All right, so uh, for my lower guy, I'm I'm going to double down. Logan Thomas did not come through for me last week. Both of us. We both had him last week. Come but, on, Logan. But he also had nine targets. So he had more targets in the week before. So the opportunity is there. Obviously, that offense is just not good. Uh, Haskins, I'm questioning more by the day. But Why will he not throw the ball down the field? I, I have no idea. 
I mean, I, I haven't watched the whole games, but the, the parts of the games, I've, I've literally not seen him throw a ball more than, like, 10 yards. I That's mean, a bad sign, right? It, it's definitely, yeah, it's not good. I'm pretty sure they're dead last in overall yardage so far this year. But, again, Logan Thomas, he's 3,700. He's super cheap. He's gotten eight and nine targets in the two games, so he's going to have targets. And... I feel like Cleveland's linebacking core is not good. I forgot to check and I actually look who's back there now, but I'm color be skeptical of of Cleveland's defense. So a rookie quarterback threw it 60 times and didn't throw a pick. Even as talented as Joe Burrow is. That's insane. Yeah. So what Cincinnati scored 30 points in that game, right? Something like that. So I think Washington can score two, three touchdowns, maybe. And if they score two or three touchdowns, I like Logan Thomas's chances to be one of the guys who scores them. And remember, these tier three guys, like, yeah. you can't be expecting, like, you're happy if they get 10 to 15 points. Because, again, you're not spending any money. If they end up getting 20, you're just, I mean, that's gravy train at that point. <laughs> exactly. uh, for, for the defenses, I really did not like almost any of the matchups because the, the teams that are the most expensive have pretty tough matchups. And the first one that I feel pretty confident about is the chargers. I'm shocked they're 3,600 because remember last week they contained the chiefs offense as much as you could ever ask a defense to do with a little help from the refs late in the fourth quarter. But, and then this week they get a Panthers offense, which has not been good without Christian McCaffrey, I just, and I'm sure it'll backfire on me, but I just don't see how this Chargers defense doesn't feast on the Panthers. They don't have a a very good receiving core. I mean, McCaffrey was their offense. He has been for the last two years, and it is going to be, I mean, I I don't know what they're going to do to move the ball without him. Uh, It's going to be really interesting, but I I really like the Chargers this week. And again, it's 3,600. I think they were like the seventh, sixth or seventh, uh, highest costing defense, and they definitely had the best matchup of those top seven teams. So I'm going to disagree with you a little bit because I'm taking the defense directly above them <laughs> at 3,700. I love Tampa Bay against Denver. Jeff Driscoll, let, let's go. <laughs> you know what? I didn't even think about that. You're right. Yeah, I saw him with Drew Locke, Don't turn it over. <laughs> yeah, I'd have some wariness if Locke was in there because Hamler looked pretty good last week. And, I mean, I know Judy had a drop or two, but that... And the Bucks have been great against the run, right? So it's not like they're going to be able to just pound it down their throat either. Because Gordon is going to play, right? I know that uh, Lindsey's, I think, questionable. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. I think Lindsey might not. But Gordon, Gordon is definitely a go. But, yeah, Tampa Bay this year... So far, 2.6 yards per carry for running back oh, yeah. against Tampa Bay. That's really good. So, <laughs> give me Jeff Driscoll, right? with, First week. Jeff Driscoll with no run game. I'm all in. I love it. I actually am going to have to change one of the two lineups <laughs> I made. I'm putting them in. Hopefully, I have $100 left over. Um, the second one, this is completely – my tier two is just the belief of Thursday night, home team, short week, the Jaguars, $2,700, and it helps that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the starting quarterback of the opposing team. Uh, I don't have much faith in the Dolphins' offense. Uh, And the Jaguars' defense, I mean, they haven't been terrible, especially considering the two offenses they played have been very efficient. And again, I just think at home on a short week, playing Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick seems to be one of those quarterbacks. He's either going to throw four or five touchdowns or turn it over four or five times. And, again, I don't like really a lot of the matchups. So the Jaguars at 2,700, I'm going to take a chance and hope that Fitzpatrick has one of his really bad games and maybe they end up being a top five or six defense for the week. Yeah, I I like that pick. It's, you know, there's a little risk because the Jags aren't great, but Fitzpatrick, there's always a three-interception game coming (laughs) at some point. And so if you had a few turnovers and maybe a pick six, then you got a top five defense automatically. Um, I'm, I'm going to keep riding with my giants for my value defense, 2,700. <laughs> They're actually on 
DraftKings, they're the number 12 defense so far this season. They're put, they're probably facing the backup quarterback with the backup running backs, with the backup wide receivers. <laughs> so, you know, I I'm never I never feel overly confident in the Giants in any phase of the game right now or <laughs> the last 4 years. But if you're you're going cheap, I I think that's a that's a good option right there. And, you know, I told you last week, I really believe that unless you feel a defense has got a great matchup, you should just kind of take a team that you have a feeling for because very rarely is there a huge disparity from, you know, the third or fourth defense for a particular week and like the 10th or 12th because you really need like a pick six or almost, you know, calling a team to like, you know, 10 points, and it just are, you know, five, six turnovers, and that just doesn't happen very much in the NFL. And so many teams score so many points, it just, it ends up most teams average in that, like, four to eight point range. So why spend the extra money when you're not talking about a ton of points when, again, sometimes, you know, six, $700 at receiver can be a huge difference in the production that you can get out of it. Yeah, to, to your point, I'm looking at a uh, DraftKings right now. And the difference between uh, the average scores through two weeks of the number two and the number 15 team is five points. The difference between number 15 and number 30 is five points. <laughs> so if you're talking about a five point difference and you can spend an extra thousand at running back or receiver, I mean, that seems like a, that's a no brainer unless you have r- cheap guys that you love at those positions. All right, real quickly, I know I didn't tell you we were going to do this, but I have a couple guys. We'll call this the bonus round. All right. Evan Ingram was the guy I was looking at. He got eight targets last week. If I remember correctly, I knew you would be a good person to ask because you're a Giants fan. When Barkley was out, I thought I remembered Ingram's targets went way up. Do you expect that to continue and potentially start this week with the Niners? I, I I don't remember, like, specifically specific numbers or anything but watching the game it definitely felt like that was true and i i think he's the number i think ppr he's right there with slayton because i think he's a safer bet to get you know four five six catches where slayton be hit and miss i probably like slayton a little more because he's more likely to have the big plays the touchdowns but again i think he's the number two option on a team that's passed 75 percent of the time so I definitely think as long as he stays healthy, knock on wood, <laughs> I, I think Ingram's going to see a solid bump up in production here. All right. Second question. Godwin is going to be back this week. Denver secondary is awful. They are 30th through two weeks against a a opposing receivers. Do you like him this week at $6,800? Um... Like I said last week, when I, I said if Godwin played, I liked him a lot. I, I like him more than Mike Evans, and who's $100 more. So in that respect, I definitely like him more. <laughs> Juju's right below, and I just said Juju's the number two receiver on his team. So and the guys in that area, I like him more. My one question mark would just be I kind of think that game is going to be in hand most of the time. So unless he scores early, you could end up with, you know, Fournette and Ronald Jones getting 35 carries combined, and maybe there's not a lot of opportunity this week. So the last guy I want to talk about, you mentioned his his, uh, backmate uh, and his matchup and how much you liked it. Watch Austin Eckler. I was really shocked week one. You know, he's had 19 and 16 carries. He's had 84 and 93 yards rushing. The goal line, obviously, is a concern, but what I was happy to see is they made him a big part of the passing game, which is what he's so good at. He had four catches for 55 yards. He had five targets last week. He only had one in the first week. I expect them to start running it more because they realize that defense is good. Now you got Herbert, who, for whatever reason, and I should have known this, Tyrod Taylor, I guess, for whatever reason, despite not being a great downfield thrower, doesn't like to throw to backs. 
especially compared to Rivers. Herbert obviously went to him a lot. And again, what we were discussing, young quarterbacks, they like those security blankets. I can see both Eckler and Hunter Henry doing really well, especially these first few weeks with a rookie quarterback making his first couple of starts. What do you think about that? Uh, I'm, I'm with you all the way. I I feel awful for Tyrod. Like, oh, that's the, so only, bad. only the Chargers. But, you know, I, I think I like the offense more with Herbert. I just think, I think there's good. a little more – there's a little more variance to it. Like there's probably a better chance of a disaster game, but I think the upside for that whole offense goes up with Herbert in there. I, you know, I'd never thought about it, but yeah, I guess Tyrod never has really thrown at his running backs. And uh, especially this week against Carolina. Yeah. I, I think you can go either of those backs and feel good. Is there any other uh, guys you want to talk about? Um, all right, one guy I'm a little skeptical of, I want to bring up because where his price range shot up to should Stefan Diggs be $7,000. I know the numbers have been there the last two weeks, but I mean, just think about the teams he was playing. Like, I'm not surprised he could tear up the Jets. In Miami, I, I I'm a little I I would hold back on going all in on Diggs and Josh Allen until we see what happens this week against a real NFL defense. I I agree. I think they're doing it off the targets, and even more importantly, Allen has actually been like accurate down the field. Now, if he continues to do that, Diggs is going to be a monster, and they're going to be really good because. I'm kind of, I think, getting to the same uh, assumption that you did, that part of the reason he's looked so good throwing down the field is the secondaries are really bad that he was throwing in. You know, he's throwing basically like, it's it's basically like a practice scrimmage. Uh, so this week will say a lot, and I just, I completely, because what what is Diggs at this week? Was he 70, what was it? 7,000. So he is the seventh most expensive, sixth if you cross out Mike Thomas, who I don't think has much of a chance to play. Yeah, I would much rather have, like, Godwin or, I mean, uh, Metcalf. Like, there's a lot of guys below him yeah. that, I, that I would rather Thielen, play. too. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, a number of guys that we mentioned, I would feel safer at the, going with them, even if they were at the same price as Diggs. Because, I mean, yeah, there's a chance that Allen and Diggs are just going to tear up this whole season. I'm not writing that off. But I don't want to wait and see before I – put up big money for digs in in daily fantasy. So then the last thing I want to discuss, because I didn't want to, you know, make the beginning of the podcast depressing, but <laughs> we were probably the saddest co-hosts in the history of podcasting oh, God. by Sunday evening last week with you losing, you know, your superstar running back for the season, right? Is he done for the year? He's done for the year, yeah. Yeah, and my Falcons doing what only the Falcons can do, losing a game that's just unimaginable. I mean, it's just, you know, it's the fourth time in the Dan Quinn era they've blown a 17-point lead in the second half. I'm pretty sure three of the four they've blown a 17-point lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, As I was joking with the guys in the Ivy Sports page, I'm dead inside at this point uh, when it comes to the Falcons. It's just apathy. I watched the game with my father. We've got 75 years of, you know, watching the Falcons between us, and neither one of us were surprised. We called it when Dallas scored that touchdown to cut it to two scores to start the second half. And I don't even get that upset anymore. It's just, it's just sad. But I really did think about it. I'm like, man, you know, the only – franchise that really probably is as sad as we are would be the Giants because it's always scary when it's a knee injury, you know, with, with running backs. And what is up with your the field there? Because it doesn't it seem like – or no, excuse me, they weren't there this week, were they? Because the Jets were the ones where all the injuries were. Where was he playing? No, yeah, I think you're right because I believe San Francisco is playing back-to-back games in MetLife. So that would mean that last week the Jets were there. Well, that makes me feel a lot better because I was going to say if he got hurt too on that turf field because 
it was crazy. There was reports that came out after that game that it's like known within the league that players know that that turf is really dangerous. And it's crazy because that field's not that old. I, I will never understand how NFL teams end up in these situations. You know, it used to be the old turf for the Eagles. Pittsburgh has a notoriously bad field always. Like, this is a billion-dollar industry. Like, these players are million-dollar investments. I don't understand how teams don't have good fields. I, d- I don't know exactly how much that played into Barkley or the, the like, half-dozen other, like, ACL, MCL tears that we had this week. But it's ridiculous. And to your point about just our shared suffering, I was going through my Facebook history today. And I saw a post from, I think it was five years ago. I think it was Coughlin's last year. It was like, <laughs> the Giants are the first team to open the season by blowing back-to-back fourth-quarter leads of 10 or more points. And I was just like, yeah, that, that's just, like I said, it's like seven of the last eight years or eight of the last nine we've been 0-2. So like you, I've I'm starting to become numb to it. You know, the, the only upside is half those years we lost to the Cowboys opening week. So I haven't lost to the Cowboys yet. That'll come <laughs> later. But yeah, it's it's brutal. Because yeah, I mean, you guys probably have a tiny bit of hope. Just oh no, because... I mean, they'll, they'll, that's what bothers me is Quinn will end up <laughs> keeping his job. TD, they'll go nine and seven, lose right. a playoff game, and they'll make an excuse for right. like because the defense is going to magically be above average the last like seven weeks for some reason every year. And you have Matt Ryan and those receivers. It's possible, like. I'm just hoping Daniel Jones progresses. It's the only thing I'm asking for out of this year. Because we're maxing out at like five wins. That's like the best case at this point. So, <laughs> What do you do? Though? Say y'all Not get much. the number one pick. Like, do you take Lawrence? I've I, I thought about this the other day. Um, obviously, it would depend on what we saw from Daniel Jones. If, if he does progress and we still end up number one, because who knows with this team? My personal preference, which is would probably be dangerous because if Trevor Lawrence is really like the mother load of draft picks and stuff, quarterback, yeah, I would trade down. This team has a lot of holes, and the upside is if we're picking number one, it wouldn't be David Gettleman making all those picks, <laughs> which also means, yeah, he's also never traded down. So if he's still there, <laughs> I know what we're doing. But if it's someone else, I would trade down, get like three first rounders, probably a couple seconds. It's Trevor Lawrence. Oh, he, it would be. I think it would be the biggest haul ever for a first pick. And look at all the teams that need a quarterback too. I mean, there's so many teams in NFL that just have nobody there. Right, and I mean, yeah, there's there's some other teams too. Like if Washington, I don't know if we'd want to trade down with Washington to give them Trevor Lawrence. Right, yeah. If you're the Eagles, wouldn't you have to consider it? Say the Eagles season goes to hell and Wentz continues play, they would have to consider it. I I think they're too smart because they would realize how much they'd be giving up. Right. Because, yeah, also if you're the Eagles, I think the Eagles probably still feel like, oh, if our own line was healthy and we got another receiver and blah, blah, blah. Like, they're a team that feels like, they're still one step away. They're like, they could get back. I think if you're doing, if you're tr- trading all those picks, you're a team that's like, oh no, it's fucking done. Like, well, I've already given called it the NFC count. South, the Falcons luck. He's going to go to Carolina. We'll have to face <laughs> McCaffrey and Lawrence for the next freaking decade. I mean, it's, it's, it's happening. Like I, I told my, my best bud the other day, it's also a huge Falcons fan. I said, you know, next season we'll have Brady, Breeze, and friggin' Lawrence in our division. I mean, luckily Breeze and Brady are getting old, but still, it's just. Well, I was like, gonna say, I don't think I don't think you're gonna have Breeze in your division next year. <laughs> they, well, they're gonna need an answer too, because I don't think anybody really believes that uh, the uh, Swiss Army knife is gonna be a uh, success. But well, there's only one person who might believe it, and it's Sean Payton. <laughs> so who knows? Well, Joe, I hope it didn't get too depressing at the end, but I, I did want to touch on that because it just it was a little funny that, you know, we just started doing this podcast, and boy, I, I think we bonded on some misery there. So but that's uh, why we have to get so invested in this. 
That's so right. We're all in on fantasy. That's absolutely. I have been spending a lot more time this week than reading reports on who the Falcons are facing and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, but so this has been the second episode of the weekly daily fantasy podcast with Keith Fleming and Joe Matz on the IBN podcast network. Joe, before we get here, do you got anything you want to plug? Uh, no, just make sure you're registered to vote. That's it. Oh, please. Yes. That that's, that's a very good plug. Uh, and I just want to plug, we, uh, did not do a backdoor cover uh, early in the week because there's not a big event in the PGA Tour. I don't really follow baseball, uh, so Alan gets mad at me, but I just I don't get into <laughs> it. But we will be doing the Thursday night uh, live feed on the Facebook group where we will go through every NFL game, uh, rank one to five how confident we are on our picks and our plays, whether it be the over-under or you know taking the points, giving them, et cetera. So please be sure to check that out. And then also the Team Turnbuckle Wrestling Podcast with myself, Sam Howell, and Ronald Tinsley. We will be probably recording either Thursday or Friday, and that will be up. And if you are a wrestling friend and watch Monday Night Raw, it's going to be a little negative because it was one of the worst shows I've seen in a long time. Uh, and that's saying something for wrestling. But, uh, Joe, I really enjoyed this. Uh, I hope our picks are as successful as last week because I actually won a little money on DraftKings with our picks. And uh, we will uh, get together uh, next Wednesday. I appreciate it, Joe. All right. Adios. See you.